Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Gaming Dadcast. I'm Mike Bowerman, and uh, welcome, welcome. Thanks for checking out yet another episode. So today, on the menu, we've got Kid Icarus Uprising for the soundtrack. That's kind of a crazy one. We've got 13, so that's like X-I-I-I, 13, for the game that we're going to highlight today. And the topic we're going to be discussing is the Great Balancing Act. All right, let's get right to it. Let's talk about that Kid Icarus Uprising, yeah? So, I mean, that, that game sure is something to begin with. Uh, so, Kid Icarus is, I guess you'd call it an on-rail shooter. Uh, it's not, it, it goes in between. So, like, there's some levels where you're, you know, you're moving your character around backwards, forwards, left, right, things like that. Um, and then there are other levels or parts of levels where it is an on-rails shooter. But it's very it's very linear. Uh, you have certain paths that you can go down, and then that's kind of it. It's kind of like a shooter, okay? And it was on the uh, 3DS, and just a side note here, it desperately needs to be ported to the Switch. It is a really good game, uh, and <laughs> we don't need the claw uh, which basically the the way that you uh, play the game is your left hand or your right hand. I mean, depending um, what hand you choose. I think you can set it up in the settings. One hand is for your shooting. So like your pointer shoots and your left uh, thumb moves the, the stick, you know, moves that around, moves the character around. And then your other hand is using a stylus where you're aiming and tapping things, do things like that. And it, it, it is... It is a hand cramp in the making, uh, but it is it is so worth it. And it's funny to note that the game came with a plastic stand for your like, hey, set your 3DS on this so you don't have to hold it. It was they knew they knew what was going on. Um, but the player assumes the role of Pit, who if you have played Smash Brothers at all or played any of the older games, is the kid like god. I guess the the kid like being that has wings and shoots arrows, right? So that's Pit, Pit and Palatina, right? Uh, and he's going through all sorts of problems one after the other in the game, and I mean that's kind of it. It's it's a shooter for sure. Uh, so one thing about the soundtrack in this game, well, there, there's a few things. The songs sound big, and I think it, it's kind of like the game itself being on the 3ds where it's like it just feels bigger than the hardware that it's on like it should that's that's another reason why i think it needs to be ported to something like the switch now i don't mean big as in like file size or anything it's just it's ambitious and the songs the soundtrack is the same way it just sounds big and pompous um some and you know just kind of elaborate these songs can be freaking long and you know that's a great thing in this case and the other cool thing is that these songs fit the levels incredibly, and it's thanks to the type of game this is. Not every game can pull this off just because of the nature of the game. Like an open-world game isn't going to have a more uh, meticulous, crafted soundtrack to it necessarily. It's going to be a lot more broad strokes. There may be some moments, but this entire soundtrack is very, very specific with the levels and, and all that stuff. So I have, um, I don't know, I want to talk about like four or five songs, okay? So the first song, uh, it's called 
That First Town. <laughs> That's the song, name of the song, I guess. And, you know, like I said, all of the songs in this game have, like, a, a pompous feel to them. Like, pomp and circumstance, big, right? Like, uh, I don't know, honorable? I don't even know what the word is. They're just big and pompous. And they just feel big. And this song, That First Town is like the poster child for the rest of the soundtrack. Now, this isn't the first song uh, in the game that you hear, but it definitely is the tone setter, right? Like, this is this is telling you, hey, the rest of the soundtrack's going to be crazy big like this. And, you know, I think, as I was listening to it, I think what makes all these songs feel so big and vibrant and pompous and just, you know, like, just big is you know really showcased in this song and it's really it's it's i mean the compositions themselves sure but it kind of boils down to the horns used and the huge percussion section that's used i'm talking like the you know think of um uh 2001 space odyssey like when the the monkeys are at the thing and it's you know the bomb 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 Ba-da! Boom, 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 boom. Like, it's that kind of feel for this entire soundtrack. <laughs> it's just that, like, it's big. Like, every song is like, man, this is a momentous part of the game. Um, And that first town sets the tone. This is the first town. It's that first town, right? This is kind of like the start of the game. And the songs are telling you this is the start of the soundtrack that's going to be matching this kind of energy and feel and so it really said again and it, it kind of lends to that the songs really go along with the levels in this game now the next song i wanted to highlight is heads of the hue draw uh, and this song has um i don't know a like a soaring soaring feeling to it yeah let's do that a soaring feeling and i am here for it and, you know, like, think of, like, flying through the sky, which, you know, that's that's what Pitt does, right? <laughs> he does have wings, he has, and Palatina grants him moments where he can use his wings to actually fly. Um, and this is the perfect example, this song is a perfect example of why the soundtrack works so well with this type of game. Um, it, it, as I stated before, it feels like each and every song is just meticulously crafted for specific sections of levels not just not just whole levels and it's like the same song repeated over and over these these levels areas what I, they are levels they evolve and they, these levels are like meaty okay and it the the music moves along with it and heads of the hue draw is like a perfect perfect example of this um and because, you know, there are sections of the game that are on rails, but it's like this weird, like, it'll go between like, okay, so pits on the ground and you're dodging left and right, you're shooting enemies in an area before you can proceed and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden now it's like the story changes. It's like, oh, I can grant you, you know, Palutena talks, uh, talks to Pit and says, hey, I can grant you this access to fly for a brief time. And then you fly and then it, you know, goes to a song like this it evolves the levels evolve and the music the songs evolve with them and it's crazy like i'm listening to this i'm like oh i remember that i remember where that is in the game um 
you know, and this song just really highlights that. And as I listened, I listened to this song actually a few times. Um, I just, it's crazy. It's crazy how the music, they did a great job evolving the music with the level. So if you listen to the song by itself, it's good, but it can be a little disjointed. Um, okay, it's kind of like uh, the next song I want to talk about, The Reaper's Line of Sight. Uh, this song, that song goes all over the place. And, you know, because these compositions directly reflect the levels they're in, in the nature of the game itself, they can do this. So, like, it, it, it never feels so jarring that it's completely disjointed, but man... <laughs> This song and even the previous song feels like four or five different songs patched together, and it's awesome. Uh, it's just great. Like, if you listen to the soundtrack, you'll think, oh, maybe they did four or five songs and they just put it all together into a single composition on the soundtrack. If you listen to the song while watching the, the game being played, like the level being played, or play it yourself, totally different feel. And it fits, and you're like, oh, that that's why it changed here. That oh, that fits so well. And so that's the it's so cool. Like the game is big, big feeling, and evolves within its like within each level, not just like, oh, this area, this area, just even within the same level. And the the next song I want to talk about is the space pirate ship. Just like every single freaking song in this game, in songs I've talked about so far, it fits so well with the level it's in. So I, it's called The Space Pirate Ship. This song feels and sounds like a space song would sound. Like, imagine a space song. That's how this sounds orchestrated. Not like the pew, 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 you know, like a digital sounds and stuff necessarily. But it sounds like a, think of like Buzz Lightyear, right? Like, like that kind of music, like the the heroic space ranger out in space taking on bad guys, right? Well, it kind of feels that way. Uh, this, you know, the space pirate ship has heavy percussion. And, and I don't even know what to call it. Like the horns, the honorable horns. <laughs> We're going to call them honorable horns. Um, they really set this one apart. Um, and the changes in the tone from... Like, the beginning is, like, attack and excitement, like, energetic to... It evolves to, like, a calculated and thoughtful feel are amazing. And again, these work so well because the levels evolve and the music moves with them. And then the last song I want to talk about, this is probably the most well-known one. Probably not even from the game itself, probably more from Smash Brothers Ultimate is the wrath of the reset bomb now this song uh like i said is in smash brothers and there's there's a reason for it being in smash brothers it's because it's really good now this song is different from the others i've talked about because the strings really carry this one so the strings and those honorable horns right like the percussions there sure but definitely the strings carry this one and then are just like lifted up higher with the horn section. And what I love about this song, so again, every song is big feeling. No matter what tone, emotion, the uh, musicians, the composer, the whole group of people that put these songs together, no matter what it's fitting, you know, that, that it's always it's always a big emotion, a big feel. 
And this song always has an underlying sense of urgency, right? Because there's a reset bomb that's about to go off and you're freaking out trying to stop it. And it's, oh gosh, I'm thinking about the gameplay too and the level. I'm just like, man, it's so good. And you know, I, I am a fan of not just game music, but just like regular, like everyday music, uh, bands, uh, other orchestrated stuff. I love when a song has a sense of urgency in the lyrics and the way that it's sung and the music that's played like a sense of urgency, not necessarily always like, Oh, we're the doom is looming. Um, it's just that urgent, like you mean it right. And this, this song feels like it means it like the, this bomb's about to go off and in the game it is, you know, so the game is great. This album is exceptional. Um, but I think what makes it even bigger to me is that, I mean, this was a soundtrack for a 3DS game. And it just makes it even more astonishing. Again, I feel like everything about this game was very ambitious for the hardware. And I really hope that one day it makes it off of that hardware onto something else. But we'll see. Um, so the soundtrack, pompous and big with the classic orchestrated emphasis. You know, it really hits home with the style and the theme, you know, especially with the gameplay. Uh, in Kid Icarus Uprising and the, you know, all these characters, you know, really solid soundtrack. Can't recommend it enough and stick with it. It may sound disjointed as you're listening, but maybe watch some gameplay with it too. Highly recommend it. Good stuff. For the highlighted game today, I mean, this is going to be quick. This, this is, this game is being highlighted for one big reason. And this game is 13. Now, 13 is a stylish first-person shooter that follows a, a similar story to that of the Bourne movies, like the uh, Jason Bourne, Bourne, uh, Bourne Identity, Bourne Supremacy, Bourne Ultimatum. And then there were some other ones that I didn't watch. Um, look, the first-person gameplay was fresh for its time and offered a more stylish difference, uh, to like a, a feel to any of the others that I'd played. Um, and it's solid. You know, I played it again um, on my GameCube fairly recently and you know still holds up pretty well i mean it's not it's still it's lacking in some uh you know common practices now you know quality of life stuff but it's still pretty good um but the the key here the presentation is the key to this game being so good it just oozes style and that is the main reason why i'm highlighting it today now before I continue, I do want to point out there was a recent remake. I guess it was a remake. Um, everything that I have seen, I've watched gameplay of it. I've watched people play it. I was going to get it. It was going to be a day one buy for me. And they were like, oh, it's going to bring come into Switch. And I was like, well, I got to get it, right? Because I had it on the game. I had 13 on the GameCube. I believe it came out on the PS2 as well. But I don't know. I just had this weird nostalgia, you know, like I got to get it on my Switch, right? I got to have it the Nintendo hardware. Still not out, as far as I know, and it's just a mess. The game is just not good, and I don't think they're going to ever fix it. I think they just kind of gave up on it, which is really sad. Uh, but you can get it on PC and other things. Like, it's it's easily accessible, so you can get it. Okay, so I am talking about the original that was on the GameCube and the PS2, not the remake that came out a year or two ago, whenever that was. Okay, so... The story in the game is entertaining to me in the same way a blockbuster film is. There's nothing innovative 
about it. There's nothing like, oh my gosh, like jaw-dropping. It's just a solid story. And you know what? It, every time I play it, it keeps me hooked. You know, it's like, I don't know. It is, <laughs> I, I want to point this out. It is weird, but also awesome that the protagonist is voiced by David, D I believe it's David Duchovny. Now, I could be completely wrong in this, and I haven't actually looked it up. I probably should have done that before recording this. But it this actually adds to the game. And if it isn't David Duchovny, it is somebody that sounds like him. So, like, just that style, uh, like that voice, uh, the kind of lower, almost, you know, almost like, uh, a not fully awake sound to it, it kind of adds to it. And, you know, because, so your character is amnesia-ridden, and, you know, is this, I don't know, the, the the super spy shtick in this game, I don't know, I like it, okay? Like, oh, we gotta go to a bank, and we gotta, wait, why am I going here? Oh my gosh, I found this identity. Like, who is this person? It's just, I don't know, again, it's like a blockbuster film where it's like, it's nothing crazy. You could probably spot a lot of these beats nowadays from a mile away. Back in the day, it wasn't as obvious because it was still becoming a bigger thing. But I don't know, man. It's just this, the the story itself is good, okay? It's solid. It's not bad. It's not great. It's, it's, I wouldn't even say it's serviceable. It's above serviceable. It's good. And I just enjoy it. I like the spy stuff. But like I said, that is not the main draw. The music's okay, story's okay, that the gameplay's okay, all that stuff's good. The main draw in this game that like made it rise above all the others and for for me made it one of my favorites on the GameCube is the comic aesthetic. Now I purposefully say aesthetic instead of visuals, and I'll get to that. So the visuals are comic based. So think of heavy black outlines around characters, um vibrant vibrant solid colors and the designs all scream you know like the, all these things scream this is a comic okay so look at a comic and that's imagine this game but like i said this isn't just about the visuals because like wind waker had a lot of that that the cell shading right is what it was wind waker had it too but i wouldn't call that a comic aesthetic at all that was a lot of people called that like cartoony or something else right but 13 is very much a comic aesthetic. And what I mean by that is the game uses things like comic panels. Like in the cutscenes, it's like you see comic panels. But it takes it even further than that. It's so cool. Like there are word bubbles. Like when you're sneaking around, and you hear people talking. And it like if you're far enough away, you'll see a bubble pop up. And you'll see text, but it's so tiny that you can't read it. And the closer that you, and you can't, you can barely hear it. And the closer that you get to that conversation, the words get bigger and the audio gets bigger until you can read it and hear it. It is so cool. And then even more so, there's visual words displayed on the, on the, the screen too. So like, you know, when you grab a chair and you break it over like a, a like a bank security guard, right? Like they're not a bad guy. You don't want to kill them necessarily. You grab a chair and you break it over the back of a, because that's not killing him, just severely damaging him. But, you know, you you knock somebody out with a chair, like you'll see like a whack or a crack, you know, like physically show up on the screen. Like think of, you know, uh, uh, Batman, the old Batman style show with Adam West. It is so, so cool. And it's just amazing that like 
it's every time I play the game, it just amazes me. Like, I feel like a bunch of people just sat down in a room and went, okay, well, what are things? Oh, yeah, that that's a good idea. Let's try that. You know, and they throw it in. Like, wait, well, now we got to do, like, it's just, it's so cool. Like, seeing it in action, it just oozes style in, in that comic aesthetic. And I believe some, I, I, I don't remember the gameplay itself having this overlay on it, this filter, but it has like a almost comic paper film filter over it. Like, and it's got like dots, like the, the, oh, it's hard to describe <laughs> audio in audio, but it, it uses filters too. It's just so good. And it's so great. And you know, like there are panels even within the gameplay itself. Like while you're playing the game, like, Oh gosh, there's a sniper. Or when you shoot a guy off a cliff, one of the bad guys trying to kill you, like to the side of the screen, you'll see comic panels, like multiple as he's falling. You see him in the main part of the screen and you see like three or four panels pop on the side of him falling in different parts of his fall. It's just so, it's so cool. The comic aesthetic rises a very mid game, like a mediocre game. I would say it's kind of a mediocre game. It's good. It's it's a good game. But the the visual style really raises this up and gets it got me invested. And I mean, here I am highlighting it. So, it's that good. Uh and <laughs> one final thing I want to talk about this game. This is going to be dumb. I don't care. I you know, this is my podcast. I'm going to talk about it, dang it. I absolutely love the stupid song they sing throughout this game. And they use it in the multiplayer. It's this song. It's like, you can fly, you can hide, you can close your eyes, but I'm still on the run. And it's like this whole thing. It's like almost Bond-like. It kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Metal Gear Solid 3, uh, Snake Eater. Like that just overly cheesy, big, but it's like they're taking it way too seriously, but they're also not taking it way too seriously somehow. And, you know, I have that song, I have fond memories playing this game with friends because they have a local, they have local multiplayer on there, um, playing the game with friends, trying to kill this stupid little skeleton thing. So, like, you were fighting other people, but you were also basically the the person to, if I remember correctly, the person to kill the skeleton thing. So, every time you hit it, it would get smaller. It starts off about your size. Every time you hit the skeleton thing in the multiplayer, it gets smaller and it gets faster. And if it touches you, never attacks, but if it touches you, you instantly die. Then you got to respawn. You got to wait. And then you got to go after it and find it again. And you're also going against other people that could shoot you like, nope, that's mine, my kill. And they'll shoot you and then cause you to respawn. And the way that you find this thing is you, it's always constantly singing this dumb song. And you, that's how you find it. So, like, the louder it gets, you know it's close. And you got to be careful because you don't want to just go around a hallway and then it's like, runs into you and you die. And you're like, dang it, now I got to go do that all over again. Uh, so, I have very fond memories playing that. Like, playing that game, the whole time we're all just laughing at this stupid little skeleton singing this, this song. And, you know, I love their little touches throughout the game itself. So, like, in the main campaign, I very vividly remember there's a section where there's, like, a camp a bunch of these guys are just sitting there. They don't know you're there. You're supposed to sneak around. And there's a guy in a tower. And, in you know, <laughs> as you, if you sneak, 
he's singing the song and he's singing like the Michael Bolton version of the song, not like the little skeleton voice with that's really high, but like he's singing like Michael Bolton style sings a whole song. It is a whole song. And then if I remember correctly, by the end of it, like one of the guys is, that's walking around the bottom is like, shut up, Mike. <laughs> like tells him to shut up. And that's the end of the song. And then it's just, just done. It, I, I don't know. I, I, it's the details in this game. It's the details. The details are so good. It just rises above. So like spies, deception, solid gameplay. It's all good. Okay, it's all good. It's not bad. It's not great either. It's not highlight worthy necessarily. It's just good game. Solid game. Solid. That's a good word for all that. It's solid. But this game has style for days. And that's what makes it a highlight and a recommendation from me. Just don't play the new one. Just don't play the new one. So today, we're going to be talking about the Great Balancing Act. Oh, what is that? What is that about, huh? So game is great, right? I mean, games can offer um, inter interactive story experiences. They're just fantastic. Um, they can offer you ways to just improve your skills and feel like you're, you know, accomplishing something and just get, you know, getting better at things. Um, they can, you know, also help you find a way to escape the garbage of the world, right? Just like, mm, I've had enough garbage this week. I'm going to go ahead and play a game. You know, and I, heck, like games like, like film, literature, music, you know, they have the opportunity to make worldview statements as well, though it's a whole other topic that we'll talk about at some point. You know, many games don't, but we're not going to get into that today. So, you know, games are great. But when you dive so deep into something you enjoy, it's really easy to get, I don't know, the narrow vision, you know, like a, a narrow field of view. And that's something that's been made abundantly clear to me the past five years or so with my kids, um, you know, for two in two ways. We're always trying to expose them to new different things. Doesn't mean they have to like everything, but we just have them try it. So like for the longest time, my kids just just recently, I'm very much into four wheelers, uh, quads, you know, off road ATVs have been since high school. And I just recently got my four wheeler back, fixed it all up and I can ride it around again. Um but, you know, like go, going to uh, the local go-kart warehouse here. And they were just, nope, 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 nope. And finally, finally, they both were like, yeah, okay, we'll try it. And now it's like, well, now we got to go. And like yesterday, they were racing around. And it's so cool seeing they've done three races so far in total. That first race was rough because they just didn't know how it worked. They were crashing the walls, having to reverse and all this stuff. The second race was better. By the third race, there were very minimal, minimal stuff going on. They were just enjoying and racing together. And, you know, we try to expose them to those things. There are other things we've exposed them to that <laughs> just didn't catch. But it's, you know, like we try to broaden their horizons, right? So that's that's one area. But another area is seeing them like, and and anybody with kids or anybody that's been around kids, young kids, they get fixated on one thing, and that is their life for a week, a month, a couple months, half a year, and then all of a sudden it's like, nope, and they move on to the next thing, and that thing is their thing now, and I'm sure I was the same way. I'm sure everybody is, or most people are, but you know, like those things, seeing those things in action from my perspective now 
have even further, they've gone back and made me think of things like, why did I quit playing video games for a time? And then Mass Effect is the thing that got, I talked about that before. Like I stopped. Why? Why did I do that? And why did I come back? Like, why did Mass Effect have such a draw on me that I kept playing and now here I am, you know, at the ripe old age of 36, uh, <laughs> playing games still and feeling like a goober. So, you know, it's really, like all things, moderation. You know, if you eat too much or drink too much, I mean, regardless of what type, adult drinks or not, you know, adult, well, are there adult foods? I guess there are adult foods, maybe. But, like, anything, you know, it could turn into something bad. You do you do too much of anything, and it, it could turn into something bad. Um, now, getting extremely good at one thing, you know, one activity can be a wonderful thing. Like, a lot of people do that. But, you know, without trying out other activities and expanding your vision and, you know, I, I don't know, I, I feel like it can make us narrow-minded really quickly. And what I mean by that is not not knowing you like what you like and you do you, right? You've heard both of those before, and I'm fully behind those, 100%, right? But it's just being aware of other things, right? So I'm not saying we have to like everything that we try. I mean, there have been plenty of things that I have tried that I will never do again, uh, just will not do. But I think it's important to do to do other things. And there's a couple of reasons for that. So for one, I think it's important to do other hobbies that you enjoy. Uh, you know, do and do these other things, you know, whether they're similar to your main hobby or not, you know, do all the things that uh, interest you and you find enjoyment in. Um, and not just work-related stuff. Work is a whole other thing. Talk about the things that, like, I, that you, and maybe work is one of them. Maybe you work where, you love where you work and you work where you love, right? Uh, but, you know, do, do other things that you, like, hey, I want to do that thing. So, like, for me, I enjoy art. I don't always do it, but I do it sometimes. I enjoy music. I don't always play it, make it, but I do sometimes. You know, the, the song to this podcast and, and, uh, the song, to my uh, the intro to my Twitch streams, things like that. I did those. I made those songs, you know, and so I like to do those. Not all the time. Basketball. I play basketball almost every day. I love basketball. love riding my quad, my ATV, like I said earlier. You know, I, I like creating things in general, you know, like, I don't know, like this podcast where I talk about games instead of playing them, right? I do other things that I, I enjoy. Now, again, all of this isn't like an ultimatum. This is all suggestion. This is all my perspective, my opinion on it. Seeing, being a dad now, being a parent and looking, seeing my kids and not, it's tough because I all, we, both of us, we, we don't want to be pushy. Like, well, you need to do this. The only thing that we push is if you start something, you're going to finish it. And when you're finished, you don't have to do it again. You don't have to continue doing it. That's up to you. But you start, you finish what you start. That's our only rule with this stuff. And so, you know, my oldest son got into Taekwondo, really liked it, really enjoyed it. And now he like he's on his way to like he's on the path to getting a black belt. He really enjoys it. He's good at it. And we're trying not to push. But it's like now that now you're committed, you have to finish it. And and we will support you 100 percent. Our other son's not into that. Uh, but 
I have a feeling he's going to get more into like motorsports. You know, he loves whenever I get my four wheeler out and I'm just, you know, starting it up just to keep it going, keep that engine fresh. He's always got, I got to jump on there. You know, now this go-karting place, he loves drawing too. He's really good at art. Um, you know, it's just good to do those other things. I think it's important to do other things that you enjoy. I also think it's important to do things that you've never done before. So those things that are unfamiliar, that aren't the go-tos. I've found it incredibly rewarding uh, doing things that aren't typically in my, I don't know, in in my comfort zone. Uh, And you know what it does? It helps me enjoy gaming even more. So, like, I do these new things, and I either go, yeah, that was really cool, and there's a few different ways I can respond. There's, eh, not doing that again, but he tried it, you know, but I'm not doing that again. Then there's, that was really enjoyable. I don't know if I'll do it again, but it wasn't bad at all. It was really good. That was cool. And then there's the, dang, this might become one of my things that I enjoy that I want to do more often, Okay. But in any way, it helps me to enjoy gaming more. So I'm not getting burnt out on gaming. I I have other things like today I'm going to do this. Tomorrow I'm going to do this. Tomorrow I'm going to game. You know, like that kind of thing. And it just, like I said, it just add, it could potentially add to those hobbies that I enjoy. You know, because some people are like, well, I don't really have any hobbies. I don't really do anything. I don't, I'm not good at anything. It's like, who cares if you're good at something? Do something that like... You look at it and you go, that looks fun. Reading. You're not doing anything. You're reading. I guess you're sharpening your mind, but you're not creating anything, and that's fine. But I think it's important to do things that you know you enjoy and things that you're like, I don't know. Try it. Maybe it sucks. Um, you know, and, and like I said, the things that don't really stick, that you try those new things, I still find value in them. Like I said, they make me realize how much I enjoy the things that I do like, especially games. And and honestly, it makes me want to play more. Um, what's that that thing? Uh, distance makes the heart grow fonder or something like that. So basically, you know, separate yourself a little bit and then you'll be reminded why you like, like it so much. Uh, and I think another aspect of this that I've learned is to set aside time for your family and your friends um, or family and or friends, I should say, because sometimes family's not greatest I get that I understand I've been very blessed that you know my direct family I love them and my wife's family I love them I love being around them so I I, I realized that I'm very lucky uh, with that but you know like your family and or friends uh, roommates uh, things like that you know set aside time for them um, I okay this is gonna sound like the last couple of years I've become very antisocial for various reasons that I'm not going to get into right now, but you could probably guess of all the garbage that's happened basically from 2020 on. Um, but you know, I think social interaction is a huge deal and I understand not everyone's outgoing. Like I said, I've, I used to be super outgoing and now I don't know if I would, I don't know if I'd be, um, an extrovert, I think is what they call them. I think I'm more introverted. I can talk to anybody, you know, that's fine. But I, I don't know if I'd call myself an extrovert. And I, I get that. Not everyone is, so not everyone is outgoing, but also not everyone is self-contained either. And they just like keep to themselves. 
we are everybody. We are all so different. We all have different tastes and things that sound good to us. But some kind of social interaction outside of games. And I'm going to take it a step further and say social media, things like Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that, Facebook, is really good for like the emotional aspect of every person. And like I said, I would honestly rather stay to myself or my direct family. I, I love being around my family, even if we're not like whether we're doing something or just being in the same room together. I just I love that. But I think talking with others helps me to gain perspective. You know, I've got a, a, a group with two friends that they do not live anywhere nearby, but I chat with them almost daily and they offer different perspectives. And I would like to think that I'd offer, you know, different perspective to them too. But, you know, I, I just talk all the time, so they probably just don't even pay attention anymore. But, you know, it gives me different perspectives on all sorts of things, not just gaming, just life just stuff. Um, and you know, the, to, to kind of get back on track here about the setting aside time, you know, in a gaming sense, I have found games that I absolutely love that I wouldn't have otherwise. So like Yakuza, like a dragon and judgment are immediate ones that come to mind. And even more so like a dragon, they were both recommended to me by my brother-in-law. I had tried a Yakuza game. I tried Yakuza, Yakuza Kiwami didn't really care for it. I didn't hate it. I was just like, not me, whatever. And he was like, dude, you got, you got to try these games. I'm like, really? It's like, you're borrow, borrow like a dragon. I liked it so much. I gave him, I finished it, completed it, gave him back his copy, went out and bought a PS5 version just so I could play again, just to support him. Cause I really like that game a lot. And judgment is really, really good too. I would never have tried those if I didn't interact, if I didn't go out and talk to my brother, like my brother-in-law told me about it and recommended them. And okay. <laughs> I know the saying, go touch some grass has negative connotation now and more so in how it's used, but I really think that could be a good thing. Like go, get outside, go do some things, you know, get a little fresher. Even if you're just literally sitting out there touching grass. So go touch some grass. I think it's important. <laughs> um, and a final thing that I've found that really helps me to appreciate games more in, in that great balancing act of doing all sorts of different things, being an adult, getting things taken care of and, and just doing other things is to split your days. If you can, like for me, having a productive, do something type of first half of the day, like I'm doing this right now in the first half of the day. And then I plan like after everything, I got my father-in-law coming over. We're going to load up some wood in the back of his truck and all that stuff. I find that great. And then winding down and playing games and doing stuff at the end of the day is just nice. I I don't know. And do, do you ever feel guilty? Like I do. Like I can't, playing games all day seems so wrong. Though I don't, I don't believe that. I, like I think there are times where you can just play games. I'll just sit on your butt all day. Like if it's, you're doing it all the time, that's a different story. But I always feel guilty sitting down. Like I felt guilty just sitting down recording this, what, 40 minute podcast so far. And I'm being, I feel like I'm being productive still, but it's like, I still feel guilty. Like I should be doing adult things like fix. I need to go build a barn and fix the house and stuff. So, I mean, do you ever feel guilty? I don't know. I do. So all of these things, I, all this to say, I think doing other things can help you appreciate the activities you love and want to do all the time, like gaming, 
and it makes you want to do them more. Like, that's why here I am 36 and I'm still like, I want to play games. And similar to what we tell our kids, um, I think trying new things is always good. Doesn't mean you have to like them. Doesn't mean you have to always force yourself, but I think it is good, you know, at least every now and then. And there's so many reasons to do it, but the big thing for me is that it keeps keeps the things I really enjoy, like gaming, fresh and interesting, you know, even just throughout the years. And I think that's what brought me back to gaming as well, is that I left, did all these other things, and then I was like, you know, I kind of miss playing games. Whereas I was playing games all the time before. All the time. And it, like, burnt me out. So... You know, and that, and I, I, there are some games that I still just plow right through. I can't stop playing them. But a lot of the time, I'm just like, I'm gonna play some, and I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna play some, and then I'm gonna do something else. Like, I'm taking my time. Like Elden Ring, I'm like 30. I think I checked last night. I was like 38, 39 hours into it. And other people are like, Yeah, I've I've done like three playthroughs, and I put hundreds of hours in. And I'm like, That's great. I'm glad you're doing that. That's you're enjoying it. But I'm slowing down. I'm going to kind of savor, savor my food, right? I don't think either way is a good or bad way. These are just suggestions, things that I've come across that I think that really refresh gaming as a hobby. So what do you think? Do you agree with me? Do you disagree with me? Do you kind of disagree? Do you kind of agree? What are some things that you do? Do you do, you do anything else? Do you have other hobbies that you like to do? Um, what are things that you just enjoy doing? Um... Outside, I mean, maybe gaming is one of them. Outside of gaming, right? Um, you know, we did a poll last week. Um, and let me pull that up really quick. So you can always check me out. Uh, I am on Twitter, at Bowertendo. I am on Instagram. Guess what? It's Bowertendo. I am on Twitch. Can you guess? The handle is Bowertendo. <laughs> uh, and... The uh, you can email me at bowertendo at gmail.com. So I'd love to hear from you. I always put polls up and you know stuff like that for each of these episodes. I'd love to hear from you on our poll last week on Twitter. What's your favorite mainline Silent Hill game? We have Silent Hill 2 with 58%, Silent Hill 1 and Silent Hill 4 at 17%, and Silent Hill 3 at 8%. Darn, I'm alone with Silent Hill 3. Anyway, come come chat with me. Thanks for listening to the end. And until next time, bye.